0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I hope all is well. All right, today I've got a little interesting story for you from the local history, the Appalachian Mountains. And, you know, growing up there, I never really thought about it. But over the years, I've noticed that that entire region sort of has a fixation on the color blue. I grew up just west of the Blue Ridge Mountains. I grew up on the banks of the Bluestone River. One of Appalachia's major contributions to our culture is bluegrass music. Of course, Kentucky is the bluegrass state. Uh, Kentucky has the blue moon of Kentucky. The University of Kentucky's colors are white and blue. And Kentucky is so fascinated with that color that actually for a period of about 150 years, they actually had blue people. And that's not an analogy. They actually had people whose skin color was blue. A lot of people haven't heard this story, and apparently even in the area, people had not heard this story, because in 1975, a baby boy was born named Benjamin Stacy in a hospital outside of Hazard, Kentucky, and instead of being pink like most babies are, uh, he was blue, and his lips and the tips of his fingers and toes were actually purple. Uh, the hospital staff was extremely concerned. They ran a bunch of tests. They couldn't find anything. The baby was actually moved to the University of Kentucky's medical center. And after about two days of testing, the boy's grandmother asked the doctors that were seeing him if they had ever heard of the blue fugates of Troublesome Creek. Apparently, at this point, Benjamin's father told the doctor that my grandmother on my father's side was a blue fugate. It was real bad in her. Now, that's that's how the story goes. I'm sure that they did take this baby to the University of Kentucky Medical Center to make sure that there was nothing seriously wrong. But I just can't believe that the grandmother and the father didn't mention this for two days. It seems like that would have been the first words out of my mouth, saying, oh no, it's, you know, that blue, that runs in my family. It's nothing unusual. But apparently the way the story goes is this was a revelation a couple of days into this child's life. This story actually begins in the early 1800s. An orphan from France named Martin Fugate immigrated to America and settled in the area just outside of Hazard, Kentucky, known as Troublesome Creek. In 1820, he married a young woman named Elizabeth Smith. Now, the couple had seven children. Uh, four of those children had very unusually blue-tinted skin. Now, if this had happened in most any other part of the country at this time, it would have been just the progeny of these two people that had this blue skin, and after they lived their lives and passed away, that would have been the end of the story. There is a reason that Blue Fugates were a part of the Kentucky lore for 150 years, and the reason for this is something that a lot of people from Appalachia and really anywhere in the South, they don't like to discuss. But it's necessary to dive into this for the story, and of course I'm talking about inbreeding. Our society and our culture takes a very dim view of inbreeding for obvious reasons, and particularly the Appalachian hillbilly. Inbreeding is used as a pejorative to show just how backwards and uneducated and simple those people are. But it did not happen because Appalachians are more animal than man, It happened because man is an animal, and the number one biological imperative of any living creature is to reproduce. And when you're living in an isolated society, inbreeding, unfortunately, is something that comes out of that. It happens in animal populations, it happens in human populations all over the world, And you have to understand, I have spoken several times about how isolated these little Appalachian communities were even today, although it's not nearly as bad today, obviously. But you got to think in the 1800s, people lived in these little communities that they weren't really towns. You had a few families with their farms that lived within walking distance of each other. And for a lot of these individuals, those other families around them, they were the only people they ever saw their entire lives. A lot of times, even when my mother was a child, you went into town a few times a year, and that was it. So to understand this better, try not to think of these people as living in a state. Imagine that they're on an island. Okay, you've got four or five families living on this island, the children of those families, they all intermarry, and the first generation, that's fine. You know, the children of this family marry the children from that family, and that family, and that family. And there's no, there's no bloodlines crossing over at that point. Okay, but what happens when those children grow up, the second generation, the third generation? It's going to be hard very quickly to find someone that you do not have some type of blood relation to. So, inbreeding is going to occur, and it's not that these people are just so intellectually and morally bankrupt that they don't see an issue with it. It is simply that reproduction drives most of biology. And when I say most, I mean 99.9% of biology is just reproduce. Most other drivers fall under the heading of you know, finding food, finding water, getting shelter from the elements, but those can be summed up as i need to survive long enough to reproduce. Most of the advancements of human civilization can fall under the category of make it easier to find food, make it easier to get water, uh, better structures for me to sleep in so i'm safe from predators and away from the elements. And beyond that, i can make a very strong case that every single human advancement that do not pertain to getting food and getting shelter, can be summed up simply as, I was trying to impress the opposite sex. Art, music, trying to impress a girl. Architecture, science, trying to impress the opposite sex. Fashion, sports, anything. And there are a lot of intellectuals in this country that will tell you that we have advanced beyond that, and we just really haven't. We simply have not advanced past the urge to reproduce. There is a reason that the porn industry rakes in $97 billion a year, and that's because sex is an incredibly powerful motivator. And I don't care how far we go, we are always going to be on the same level as a lizard in that respect. And so now that we have established that the gates weren't simply morally depraved people and that the inbreeding was just a result of the situation that they were in. And listen, I understand that my island analogy may sound a little extreme, but again, you have to understand that the first roads and railroad came into that region in 1910. Up until that point it was all just horse trails and and trails that were just wide enough to get a wagon up at The island analogy is more apt than you would think it would be. So I hope I've established the fact that the inbreeding was not caused just because these people were just so morally depraved that they didn't see a problem with it. Although I did find one instance of an individual marrying his aunt. I'm not going to try to defend that guy. I don't know what the hell was going on there. But basically you had 90 years, and I'm going to say probably about four generations, where this very unusual genetic trait was getting passed down and, and reinforced among these families that lived on Troublesome Creek. Now, the people in the surrounding area, it just got to be you know part of the landscape. It wasn't really thought as anything super unusual. It's just some of those people were blue. Um, I come across a quote from one person that lived in Hazard, Kentucky, that would have dealings with this family every once in a while. And his sentiment was, well, they're just like everybody else. They just look different. But over the years, the condition sort of become shameful to some of the members of the family. It became associated with inbreeding. And as we got out of the 1800s and into the 1900s, a lot of people in this family started to resent this condition that they had. So in... 1960, a brother and sister, uh, Patrick and Rachel Fugate, went to the University of Kentucky Medical Center, and they met with a hematologist a man named Madison Cawain, I believe, it's a C-A-W-E-I-N, to try to find out what was causing this condition and if there was anything they could do about it. Dr. Kawin later commented that Rachel was so embarrassed by her condition that she would not come into the waiting room. She waited outside until it was time for the appointment, and then she went straight into the examining room. But Dr. Kawin took a bunch of blood samples. He was also assisted in his research by a nurse named Ruth Pendergrass. Uh, Now, Ruth had practiced in the area for a long time. She had actually treated some of the family members, not For this condition, but just through the normal course of her medical practice, Uh, she stated that the first time she met a blue fugate, uh, it was in the dead of winter, and the woman came into the clinic where she was working. Nurse Pendergrass said that she was convinced that the woman was about to drop dead from hypothermia. She said she honestly expected to look over and see her dead at any moment. So Dr. Cowan and Nurse Pendergrass got to work on trying to figure out what exactly was causing this blue tint. Uh, Dr. Kawin actually came across a report from another researcher that was studying very isolated groups of Eskimos in the Arctic. Some of these individuals showed the same trait, and that put him on the path to looking at the hemoglobin in the Fugates' blood. Now, what he discovered was that the Fugates had a very rare recessive gene that caused there to be an excess methemoglobin which is similar to hemoglobin, uh, but does not carry any oxygen and therefore does not become red the way hemoglobin does. Now, we all have this in our bloodstream. Most of the time it's very low, and our body will actually convert that into hemoglobin so it can be used to carry oxygen through our systems. The Fugates had an excess of this methemoglobin, and the body could not convert it properly. This condition did not cause any health issues. Uh, most of the Fugates lived normal lives and never exhibited any kind of diseases or disabilities due to this. Uh, but there were a couple of differences. The skin, obviously, was blue. The lips would be purple. A lot of times the fingertips would be purple, as in the case of Benjamin Stacy. Uh, but also, their blood was not red. It was almost an earthy brown color because of the lack of hemoglobin in their blood. Dr. Kewin also discovered that there was actually already a treatment in the books for this condition. Kind of counterintuitively, it is adding more blue to the bloodstream. Uh, If you gave the people suffering from this condition a dose of methylene blue dye, it would cause the body to convert the methemoglobin into regular hemoglobin. And the reports are that if you gave one of these blue fugates a dose of methylene blue dye, it was not something that happened over a course of a days, It would happen within minutes. Their skin would go to a very normal pink tint, and they would look completely fine. Uh, now this was not a cure for the condition. They would have to take doses of this regularly, but it would completely counteract this genetic condition. Um, And, of course, that's exactly what this was, a genetic condition. Um, Elizabeth Smith and Martin Fugate both carried an extremely rare recessive gene that causes this condition. Now, you almost never see this in real world because it is unbelievably rare for these two individuals to have met and got married and had children. Uh, But I heard a saying one time that one in a million chances seem to pop up nine times out of ten. But you had these two very unusual factors of the astronomical chances that these two people would meet and have children, and the fact that they met and had children in the one spot in the country, in the one period in history, where the isolation and the way that these people had to live their lives guaranteed that this rare genetic disorder would keep getting passed down from generation to generation. Now, by the time that Benjamin Stacy was born in 1975, this genetic condition had pretty much disappeared. Uh, the family tree was spreading its branches, so to speak, and so it was becoming more and more rare to see this condition pop up. Uh, Benjamin Stacy apparently had a very mild case of this condition. By the time he was five, the condition had pretty much completely went away. He looked normal in every aspect. Uh, They say the only time you would see any hints of it was if he became very cold, his lips would turn blue. But between the family spreading out and the treatment for the condition... Uh, The Blue Fugates are no longer something you see in Kentucky. Uh, Benjamin Stacy is the last documented case of a child being born with this condition. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of people that will say that it's good that that chapter of our history is over with, and I'm sure the family certainly feels that way. But I don't know, it's, you know, it's strange coincidences and unusual happenings like that that make history interesting. I mean, what are the chances that this happened at all, much less under these specific circumstances, so that it's not just a one-off kind of thing, that it lasts for 150 years and becomes part of the local lore? These are the stories that make us who we are, and a lot of times the stories aren't glamorous or heroic, but that doesn't make them any less interesting. I heard a quote one time that drama is just life with the boring bits taken out. And if we didn't have stories like these, there'd be nothing to write about. And like I say, I'm sure there are a lot of people that think this is a shameful chapter in our history, and we shouldn't remember this family or celebrate what happened, but I'm sorry, I find this fascinating, and I certainly don't think the family has anything to feel ashamed of, and I 100% believe that the blue people of Kentucky don't need to be swept under the rug of history. All right, guys, that's about all I've got for you today. It's a little shorter episode, uh, but I've run out of story, so we're going to wrap it up. All right. I hope you enjoyed the show. Um, again, I really enjoyed telling this. This is something that I've known about for quite a while, and I've run into a lot of people from that area that hadn't heard about this. So so I enjoyed telling you this tale. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please leave me a comment on the Facebook page, or you can shoot me an email at freshrosensoutherner at gmail.com. All right, guys, have a good rest of the week. I hope you have a good one, and we will talk soon. Thank you very much.